0: Thanks for showing up. Thanks for being here for Tuesday night Bible study. Um, We're going to be in, if you want to turn there right now, if not, you still have time, we're going to be in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're not going to do the whole chapter, but at least a good portion of it, some of it. If you want to title this message, it's going to be called, I'm saved, now what? I'm saved, now what? Um, The subtitle is actually pulled from Romans 6.11. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So I'm saved, now what? Well, here's what. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We believe the Bible is God's written slash spoken word to man, right? You guys believe that? Okay, so if the Bible is God's written word to man, then we should take heed to it. We should let it tell us who God is and how we should live. We shouldn't tell it who God is and how we should live. When we come across one of those texts that might be hard to swallow, hard to understand, hard to figure out, whatever it's about, you know, if it's theological discussion, if it's life application, whatever it is, if you just don't agree because your natural inclination is against that, you need to let the Bible teach you, you don't teach the Bible. Because if you're teaching the Bible, if you're saying, no, it's this, and I'm going to live this way, I'm going to do this instead, you're not just saying it to a book, or to a paper, or to ink, or to a printing press, or to Crossway Publishers. Mm -hmm. You're not saying it to the KJV, to the NASB, to whatever. You're saying it to God. You're saying, no, I'm going to tell you how I should live. No, I'm going to tell you who you are. It's amazing. People will make these radical statements about how they, who they think God is. They'll say, yeah. oh, oh, gosh, I'll use this instead. I was watching a witnessing video one time, and somebody was telling somebody if they don't give their life to Christ, they're gonna, you're going to go to hell. You will go to hell without Christ. And they were speaking to a transvestite prostitute. And the transvestite prostitute says, no, I'm not. And the speaker said, yeah, you are. What, what gives you any reason why you wouldn't? Well, because I believe God is a God of love and a God of mercy. Well, that he is. But the Bible clearly says you don't give your life to Christ, you don't have faith in Christ, your destination is condemnation. Your destination is hell. And couldn't get it through that transvestite's mind, couldn't get it through into their head that if they don't give their life over to the Lord, there is no salvation for them. But they were trying to tell the Bible, they were trying to tell God how God should love and how God should do. When in reality, God sets his word forth, and we are to change our ways. I mean, how many of you, since you became a believer, have had to change maybe a few things? You know, maybe you talk a little bit different now. Maybe there's some words you don't say. I can think of about five or six right off quick that I don't say anymore. You Mm -hmm. know, maybe there's some certain things you don't do or whatnot, you know, and we'll get into that. Um, Second thing is, I love evangelism, and I love evangelists, but tonight's not about evangelism. I really don't feel called to be an evangelist, as of yet, anyways. Um, there's a lot of places, um, thankfully, I don't believe any of us go to them in here. Like I said, there's a couple new faces. But um, you see them on TV and stuff, and my dad would always tell me about them. The every, every single week, they would just do a gospel message, every week, every week. And I'm, I'm all for, you know, the gospel at the end of the message, you know, preaching the gospel right there at the end, because you never know who's in the crowd, never know who might not be a believer. I'm all for that, but man, You know, we're believers, we need to grow, we need to chew on the Word of God, we need to bite into something good and hopefully chew on it a really long time and study and and grow in faith and get stronger, I believe. So I hope that that's what the Lord does for all of us tonight, including myself. Um, The topic over tonight, I want to talk about sanctification. Does anybody, I don't even ask, raise their hands, I'll just say it for who doesn't know. Maybe you don't know what sanctification is. There's justification, which happens instantly. As you're a believer, you put your faith into Christ for salvation. He alone is your rock. He alone is your refuge. In God I put my trust. Sanctification is a little bit different than that. Sanctification is lifelong. Remember that for tonight's study. It is a lifelong process of holiness, if you will. A lifelong process of growing closer to God, a lifelong process. I don't even want to say getting better to God because we're still going to sin and we're still going to have our shortcomings. Goodness knows the Apostle Paul did, so I think we are. You know, I think every saint in the Bible, except Jesus, had their struggles, had their issues, had their sins, and we all still will. But it's a lifelong process of being sanctified, being set apart from the world and its ways and set into God and his ways. Um, God calls us to perfection in his word, yet none of us are going to be perfect here in this world, so we're going to cover that too. Uh, we don't want to make the same mistake that certain religions do. Mormons, I believe, are one where you know, they like to use, be perfect for your Father in heaven is perfect, so therefore works are required for salvation. You must do these good works to get saved. We don't want to travel down that road when we're talking about sanctification, because if you travel down that road, you will not end up in heaven. You have to go by grace alone through faith alone. I think you guys have that and know that now. But I'd like to talk about sanctification. What it is, what's it really about, why is it necessary, is it necessary? Is it kind of like an icing on the cake thing when we become a believer, you know, is, or can you have the cake without the icing type thing? Well, I like the cake, but the icing is just not for me. I like justification, but sanctification is just not for me. I don't like that. I don't like you talking about things that make me uncomfortable. The Bible makes people uncomfortable all the time. You know, David was uncomfortable when the prophet Nathan looked at him and said, you are that man, because he had a secret sin. And it was exposed. And he, got, he had to get on his face before the Lord. The Lord forgave him, of course. But David had to be sanctified. He was pulled away from that. He wouldn't even confess it himself, so the Lord did it for him. He said, you know what, David, I love you so much, I just can't leave you in this mess. I just love you too much to leave you there. So Nathan the prophet gave him the story and just said, you're that man. You bet David's heart was like, dum, 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 dum. How did you know that? I think he knew how he knew that. Let's see. I think that's about it. We'll dive into a little bit more of these terms and explanations as we read our text. So we're in Romans 6. And we're going to read verses 1 through 17. I know it's a lot, but just bear with me. I think it's commonly misunderstood what this text is talking about. We're not going to explain every single verse. I don't think I have the time for that or the wisdom or knowledge. There's a couple things in here I don't fully understand. Um, The way it talks about baptism in an area is is, is another topic we could get into for a study on itself. We're not going to do that. But I'd like to give you a quote on on, um, Romans chapter 6 to give you a bird's eye view before we dive in. To kind of let you know what pool you're jumping into before you get in. So the big picture of Romans 6 is that the reality of justification by faith does not produce Christians who are cavalier about their own sin. In other words, Paul writes this chapter to show why believing in the righteousness of Christ as the ground of our acceptance, I'll repeat that. Paul writes this chapter to show why believing in the righteousness of Christ as the ground of our acceptance with God does not make us indifferent to sin but dead set against sin in our own lives. So what he's saying is the doctrine of grace alone by faith alone doesn't make you flippant about sin and just not care about sin in your life. It makes you dead set against sin in your life. And we'll explain how that is. But Romans chapter 6, let's read verses 1 through 17. Paul says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him, and by baptism into his death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 5. Excuse me, my throat is killing me dry. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. What then? Are we to continue... Are we, I'm sorry. Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey either of sin which leads to death or obedience which leads to righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask, God, that you would minister to us through your word, that your truth would fall into our hearts and our ears, God. Lord, if I say anything, Lord, that's not of you, God, I just ask, Lord, it would not be heard. But I ask that it would go in one ear and out the other, God, maybe even be blocked from ears, Lord. But I pray that this uh, message would be according to your word, Lord, that we would grow closer to you, Lord, and that we would we would become more like you, Jesus, in our lives, Lord. We would, we would take this call to holiness, this call to sanctification, this call to being apart from the world, God, to being different, we would take it seriously, Lord. Not that our works save us, Lord. Not that anything in ourselves has any power to save us, God, but you do. Lord, we don't offer up our works to you as, as our salvation, God, no way. But Lord, we do offer you to come into us and change us, Lord, to not leave us the way we were. Lord, to bring us out from the world, to bring us out of that misery, Lord. Sin is misery, God. And we ask, Lord, that you convict us of all unrighteousness, Lord. Anything going on in our lives, Lord, that you just minister to us about it, God, that you would, you would uh, convict us and discipline us as a loving Father that you are, Lord. Lord, that you speak to all your children here. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, I want to point out at the very end right there, before we get into the study, verse uh, uh, 16. And actually, that's where we're going to stop. Not 17, I'm sorry. We're going to stop at 16. I'm sorry, know. Yeah. Yeah, 16. It says, sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness. I take that as this sin which leads to death. Who dies on the earth? Somebody answer that for me. Who dies? Everybody. Everybody. So that sin right there cannot be speaking of sin that leads to death for everyone and obedience that leads to righteousness for everyone. What that's speaking of is those that live a lifestyle of sin, anyone living a lifestyle of sin will taste death. Not this death here, but the second death that the Bible speaks of. Okay? The obedience which leads to righteousness, he leads to, not grants, you're not given your righteousness in Christ because of how good you are after you become a Christian. That's, that's not what we're talking about. Okay? We're going, to actually, we're going to talk about that later, but not in the same way. Obedience, le- which leads to righteousness. Okay? We'll talk about that in a little bit. I just want to give you a bird's eye view of where we're going. Why would Paul open up chapter 6 this way? I, I know there wasn't chapters and verses in the original text, but we have them now. So why would chapter 6 begin this way? Why would Paul say, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Because as Paul would go preach this message... What message? The message of chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. We'll read 20 through 21, which says, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul just preached grace through faith alone. Grace alone through faith alone. Salvation comes by grace alone through faith alone only. So there was many people in Paul's day who would raise an accusation. If you say that, you're giving everyone a license to sin. You're giving everyone a license to just go, what? I can just sin all all my life, just sin, 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 sin. It doesn't matter. I'll go to heaven. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm in. Count me in. No change. There's a no change involved, but what does Paul say? This is so blunt, very, very blunt. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? People would say this, too. This is the other argument they would raise. So the more I sin, the more grace abounds. So the more sin I do, the more forgiveness God gets to show me. So that's what Paul's saying. He's saying I should sin more so that way God will be gracious to me more. Yeah, 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 that's it, that's it. I like that. Let's do that. Let's just send it up so God can love us up. Let's just sin it up so God can be gracious to us. The truth still stands where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Grace abounds more than sin. Grace comes through and cleanses more than sin ever came through or will come through and stain and kill. Grace comes through and makes you live more than sin could have ever killed you. But Paul's argument is not, is not just the easy believism, just say whatever you want and then go live like, excuse me, live like hell. Okay, I'm not using that in a slang terminology. Go live like a demon but pray like a saint. It's not going to happen. That's what Paul's saying. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying, he says, By no means are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound. Verse uh, verse 2, he says, How can we who died to sin still live in it? That's his context. There's a difference between a struggle and a lifestyle. If you're perfect, if you don't ever sin, please raise your hand. I'd like to meet you because you're God. (laughs) Okay? We all sin. We all fall short every day. I lose my temper like no other, man. The only time I'm talking... And somebody says something, and I just snap back at him. What? That isn't the meekness and kindness that we're supposed to show. That's not the fruit of the spirit. That's the fruit of Jeremy. It's no dice, right? <laughs> we're not to live in it. This is so plain, so simple. Paul's just giving a, a, a quick formula. He would say that because the arguments would raise him. I can imagine Paul preaching in the temple, preaching to non-believers everywhere. Faith in Christ. Grace alone through faith alone means eternal life for you if you just believe. And then one of the Judaizers sitting back going, oh really? Why don't you just tell him to sin more so God can be gracious more? And then Paul just looks him dead in the eye and says, don't you dare say that's what I'm saying. That's not what grace alone through faith alone teaches. Don't accuse me of that. It's not at all what I'm saying. So that's why he says, by no means, by no means, Me. Move on. Romans 3.8, they had almost the exact same argument given to him, but in a few different words. I just want to stress this in, push it real hard, so that way we know where we're going. Romans 3.8 says this, And why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. Slanderously charge us. Some people look at the grace alone through faith alone message and think, let's just do evil so that, good, that way good can come. Because God's going to make grace where sin abounds, right? So let's just do it so that way God's grace reigns more. All right. Paul says that is a slanderous accusation. It's wrong. That's not what I'm teaching. That's not what the Bible says. Not what God has said. It's not the message of the gospel. Some seek justification by faith, as a license to sin. There are some that do this. There's probably some in just about every church you go to. I don't care how Bible-saturated your church is, that you go to anywhere, there's probably somebody in there. I've met plenty of them. Yeah, I've to a church. I've witnessed to, gosh, many people. How many people do you run across in the street who, you know, you'll start witnessing to them, and they'll go, yeah, yeah, I've done that. What do you mean you've done that? I don't understand. Oh, so you're a Christian? Well, yeah, I've done that. What do you, what do you mean you've done that? Explain that to me. Well, you know, I prayed with some guy like a couple weeks ago. Oh, great. Well, praise the Lord. So you're a new believer. Uh, I guess. Oh, great. So what did that commitment mean to you? Uh, I don't know. What did you pray? Uh, I, I don't know. I think I received Jesus or something. I don't know. Something like that. Oh, really? Okay. Well, what's your life been like since? Oh that's good, still still good, still good. I'm like, oh okay. And you come to talk to him, you find out there's there's no change. They they have yet to change, they've yet to, to have true faith. They've they, they said a prayer, la di da okay. They said a few magical words. Big whoop did he do. Words aren't what saves you. Grace alone, through faith alone, is what saves you if they have yet to put their faith into Christ, they still stand condemned. What is it? Is it John 3, 32 20? The wrath of God still abides on the sons of disobedience, I think it is. Not quite a word for word. Listen, Romans eight thirteen. This is where I'm drawing this from, too. Romans eight thirteen says this. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Again, this is how I take that to me. Everyone dies. Everybody dies. Christians will die unless raptured, okay? Christians are going to die the first step. So, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. That is not a general everyone sense. That is those who live a lifestyle according to the flesh. That's why he's saying live. It's not those of you who sin. Well, great, great, Paul. Now no one's going to be saved. Great. I sin every day. Guilty. Okay? But he's saying those who live the lifestyle, First John screams this, those who live the lifestyle will die, the second death. They will taste it. But if by the Spirit, you know, to catch that, don't miss that. You miss that, you're missing the whole point. You, en- you miss that, you end up like a Mormon. Excuse me. You end up like a J-Dub in the sense of righteousness by works. Disqualified, from faith, okay? It says, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It's a lifelong thing. It's every day, which we're going to explain that today. It's going to be great. The killing off of sin, which is sanctification, holiness for a believer is not, okay, I repeat this, is not optional. It is necessary. It is necessary, Okay? Verse 6-2, he said, how can we who die to sin still live in it? Another translation, a little bit looser. How can we who die to sin still lead a lifestyle of sin? How can that be? Not, 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 not. How can you still sin? How can you still live a lifestyle of sin? And I want to use the word, but it's a very common misunderstood word, I believe. I want to use the word repent. I don't use it much because I believe it's really misunderstood. A lot of people take repent to mean stop doing sin. If repent meant stop doing sin, then Jesus' command to repent is not doable by anyone. No one can stop doing sin. If you're supposed to turn away from your sin and not do it anymore, any of you ever committed the same sin twice? Whoops, you didn't repent of it. That's not what repentance means. Repentance is a change of your mind to where you no longer see sin as most beautiful, but you see God as most beautiful. So when you repent of sin, you're not not doing sin. You're changing to God. You're saying, man, that's ugly. This is disgusting. That's beautiful. That's lovely. It's a change of mind. It's a change of perspective. You don't believe me? Look up the Greek for yourself. Go for it. The grammatical structure is all there. If I'm saying the word right, it's Matineo. It's two words. The first to change, the second of mind, to change of mind. It is a change of mind that leads to a change of action. You're not going to be able to not sin anymore, let me just tell you. And the reason I keep stressing that is because I know talking about sanctification, you can get caught up in that. And I'm going to show you two passages, one in Matthew and one in Luke, where two people do that, and they are said to be sent to eternal life in hell, eternal death. Excuse me. Verse 3, Paul goes on to say we have been united with him, with Christ Jesus. If you've been united with Christ, how can you act as though sin is no big deal in your relation to him? How can, after you sin, not in the sense of justification, but in the sense of a general sense of, yeah, I just sin. who cares, whatever. How can you say that when you're united with Christ? And I'll give you an illustration to stress the cross. You can still say, and you should say, and I wish that more would say, Oh God, I thank you, I'm forgiven. And I wish you would agree with Paul, who in Romans 7 and 8 would say, Oh, who will deliver me from this body of death? Wretched man that I am, but thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I wish you'd get up and fight like that after you sin. Problem is, no one fights anymore. When people sin, they just, yeah, whatever. They don't fight it. Do you hear what Romans 8.13 said? Put to death the deeds of the body. Put it to death. What, what in the world does that mean? You know what murder is? You know if somebody kills somebody? It's a violent act. Paul is saying, get violent with your sin. Because sin will get violent with you. The enemy loves to get violent with you. Thankfully, he's not stronger because you have Christ, and he did not. He can't overtake you, but he loves to get violent with you. My flesh loves to get violent with me. How many of you, when you're hungry, your stomach starts turning, you're like, oh man, and then you get real hungry, and you know how it hurts? You almost get sick. Okay? That's that's a great illustration for sin. Your flesh is fighting you. Give me some food. I'm hungry. Give me this. The same with our flesh. It wages war against the Spirit. Give me that thing that I long after. Give me that sin. Give it to me. You've got to fight it. You've got to get out the sword. And you've got to go to town on that. You've got to cut it up. You've got to slice and dice. It slices. It dices, you know. There you go. You've got you to gotta stick it through. You've got to thrust it. Why? So you can get saved, huh? No. You're already saved. Grace alone through faith alone. But so that way you can prove that you're saved. I just, I just want everybody just to just be honest. I will, I will raise my hand in an instant for this. Anyone ever in your life since you became a Christian doubted your salvation? Anyone ever? Okay, praise the Lord. Great, great. Why? Probably because you did something bad, Right? You probably committed a heinous act. You did something wrong or you had been doing something wrong and you were like, and then you read some passage and you're like, liars and thieves and idolaters and sexual immoral will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Oh no, I'm not saved. And you got scared out of your mind. I know because I did that. I've thought the same thing. I just don't lie. Oh no. That's not the point. But good deeds, good works, sanctification, holiness, proves and assures your salvation and also gives glory to God. Here's an illustration I love to use. The Lord gave me this. this is, love it. Hope you do too. Think about, you know those people that wear, and we've got a couple of them in here. I do it every so often. You know, the Jesus Loves Me shirts or the NOTW shirts or the whatever, you know shirt, the Christian logo shirt, I love them, they're great, great, you know, that's that's a good thing to wear, but let's say you saw Joe Christian wearing one of those, and you're like, hey, Joe Christian, nice shirt, okay, and then you see Joe Christian going to a bar, Okay, maybe he's witnessing in the bar, whatever, you know. Well, you know the, Bible, the Bible doesn't say anything about drinking, so I don't want to, you know, it doesn't say, well, not say anything about it, I'm sorry. It doesn't say drinking is a sin, just getting drunk is, okay, well, maybe he's going to go have a quick sip, and he's on his way out, you know. Maybe he's a non-believer, but he told him in there, you know, you try not to be judgmental. because I know we struggle with that. We all struggle with pride, what at least I do. And so you decide to follow him in. So you creep in the door, and, you, and you're looking at Joe Christian like, I know him. And he's got his Christian t-shirt on, you know. And he decides to sip one back. Shake it around and sip another one back. Bartender, give me another. Bartender, give me another. Bartender, give me another. So the bartender has to cut him off because he's so plastered, he can hardly walk. But yet you see Joe Christian looking off into the area. Yeah, man. I like that. And you're like, what's he doing? What, what's he looking at? So you look over. Uh-oh. This is not just a bar. It's a strip club. And you're like, <gasps> and you run out of there as fast as you can. And you're like, oh, I'm waiting for Joe Christian to come out of there because i got a few questions to ask him. What's he doing in there? And you're waiting, you're waiting, half hour, hour, whatever goes by. Joe Christian comes out. He's got a lady on each arm. He's strutting his stuff. Jesus loves me, you know. See my shirt? He walks in. He gets in his car and he leaves with them. I don't need to expound on that one anymore and you're like did he have a huge lapse what the Bible says he's doing something's wrong oh, okay well you know the Lord is gracious let's be gracious let's try to restore him you who are spiritual restore the one who is caught into sin Right? the Bible says praise the Lord so you see Joe Christian again the next day going to the same bar and you're like again and he does it again well, maybe it's a long lapse he's having, okay, praise the Lord, okay, God is good, God is great, let us thank him for this day, amen, okay, and you're just thinking this, okay, then you go to church on Sunday, you're really distraught over what you've seen Joe Christian do, and I know I'm using a huge sin here, replace it with whatever you want, and you're like, oh man, and you look down the pew, who do you see? Joe Christian, and what's he doing? Lord, I give you my heart. <laughs> I live for you alone. you're like, I live for you alone. Yet yeah, something's not adding up. Two plus two isn't equaling four here. Joe Christian, what's going on? And you even see him agreeing with the sermon. Maybe he's preaching out of Romans six, and Joe Christian's like, "Amen, brother. Yeah, united with Christ. Hiya." <laughs> and you're like. Okay. By their fruits, you will know them. I'm seeing that kind of... Okay, something's wrong. Maybe I'll just talk to him. So afterwards, you're waiting to meet him outside, and you see him scamper off, like, Joe Christian! He doesn't hear you. And he goes again to the same place. He goes back to the bar. And you're like... So this time, you really decide. You're not going to let him get away. So the next day, you're knocking on his door. Do, 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 Joe! Do, do, do. He opens the door. What's up, man? How's it going? Praise the Lord, brother. And you're like, man, I'm not trying to be holier than thou or anything, but I see what you've been doing the past three days in a row, and I'm really concerned about you. And he says, why? Because of what you've been doing. Oh yeah, man, the strip club ain't it great. Freedom in Christ, brother. Mm, justification by faith alone through, or by grace alone through faith alone. I love it, man. I got my faith in the Lord, man. Everything else is fantastic. I cannot believe I get to live this way and now I'm going to heaven, man. You're doing what? You're doing what? I believe Paul said, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to to God. I believe 1 Peter 2.21 says, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps And you're calling yourself a follower of Christ. Yeah. How come you're not following his steps? Well, because I don't have to. I don't got to do that to be saved. Okay, buddy, I think you got a misinterpretation of justification by grace alone through faith alone. Do you understand what faith is? Yeah, man. I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the son of God. (laughs) That's my favorite song. And you're like, you do, huh? Yeah. Well, well, Joe Christian, I'm going to call you a liar, or I'm going to call you a lunatic. And he's going to get offended at you. And he's going to say, don't you ever say that to me again. Get out of my house. Don't leave. Don't you distort the gospel to me. And he's doing exactly what the accusers of Paul were saying. Well, if you say justification alone, by grace alone through faith alone, they can do whatever they want. And it's Okay. They don't have to have a change of mind about anything. They don't have to believe, trust, put faith into Christ. All they've got to do is believe he exists? No, that's not what Paul's saying. Even the demons believe God exists, and they shudder. problem with many, many Christians today, so-called, they believe God exists. And they do not tremble; they don't shudder. Why do the demons shudder? The demons have more reverence for God than certain people do, because they know. The Bible says the wicked are like chaff before the Lord. You know what chaff is? You know what ashes are when a fire goes and ashes go. That's like chaff. If you hold a pile of chaff in your hand and you go, it goes. That's what the wicked are like before God, it says. J.C. Ryle from his book on holiness, which by the way, I highly, highly recommend. It's a book strictly just about holiness and sanctification. It's it's amazing. I'm reading it right now. He says, it is thoroughly scriptural to say faith alone justifies but it is not equally scriptural to say faith alone sanctifies. Sanctification is brought about I'm sorry, end quote. Sanctification is brought about by faith working through love. Faith works. It takes effort in the Spirit of God Do not forget that, key phrase. In the Spirit of God to be being sanctified. This is a truth taught throughout the Scripture, throughout the New Testament. There's nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere, where sanctification is connected to being brought about by faith. Not one place. Justification is all over the place, but not sanctification. Never connected that way. There's one place that comes close, and it's in Acts. And not if you get the grammar right. If you're reading the grammar right, it's talking about those who, by faith, then they are being. Sanctified. There are a group of people who have been justified by faith, who are now being sanctified. Sanctification is the mark of a Christian. What does James scream? Faith without works is. So that means it's not alive. Paul just said to consider ourselves alive to God. There's something wrong here. And I'm not pressing this on you as though you believe that and fall into the trap of these things. But I stress it because it is a broad teaching. Some of the people with the largest churches in the world teach this. Praise the Lord. Not the large church in Riverside. Praise God. But here's a few passages for you if you don't think it's effort in the Spirit of God to be being sanctified. Romans 14.7 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Galatians 5, 6. Hebrews 4, 11. Hebrews 12, 1. You can see my notes afterwards if you want them. Good works matter in the life of a Christian. They do matter. I'm saved. Now what? Just live? There's people who don't come to Christ. Do you know why? because I'm having too much fun. I don't want to be bored. I know I talked about MySpace last time I was here. I just want to talk about it again. I see bulletin posts all the time, and I'll start deleting you if I see it. You'll be off my friend's list that fast. You're You're like, I don't care. If I see this one more time, a Christian types the bulletin that says, I'm bored. You're bored? Why? The last Thing that Christianity is. Back that up. One of the last things Christianity is is boring. Do you know why you're bored as a Christian? Because you're not an engaged Christian. I've read a lot of books on. I wouldn't say a lot of books. I just say I read a lot on because I didn't finish them all. I've read a lot on the pre-tribulation rapture thing, you know. And Tim LaHaye's got his books about. Uh, like I left behind, right? The whole set, whatever. You know, that's all good. Nothing, nothing wrong, you know. Just eschatology. But here's the problem with some of the teachers of the tribulation period. I believe in the tribulation period. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not, not there. But here's what they misinterpret within that. When After the rapture happens, that's when the persecution starts. If someone ever says that, why don't you look them in the face And just tell them they are mistaken, hugely, when it comes to what reality is. Do you know what's going on in India right now? China? Africa? Even South America? Do you know what happens to Christians? They're killed. And then their phone rings. (laughs) They don't answer because they're dead. (laughs) No. Seriously, not to make lies. So I should probably shouldn't have done it when I'm talking about persecution. But they are being persecuted right now. I'm talking, there are stories. There's a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. Read it. Step into reality. Get out of America. It doesn't happen over here. There are people, there's Islamic groups, which purposefully go get Christians and line them up. Hold a machete and say, do you praise... The God of Jesus Christ or the God of Muhammad, Allah. If you answer anything other than the God of Allah, they take the machete and they stab you through the gut with it. Not through the throat to where you die quick. They do it through the gut so you get to bleed to death. Then they pull it out. Then they go to the next person. Who do you believe in? Pull it out. Next person next person. And this doesn't happen once in a while. This is every single day. There's Christians who have their houses taken away from it. It's been happening ever since Christ came. Look in the Bible. Look in Hebrews. People would lose all of their possessions because of persecution. They're, they were not bums. Like if we go over to Madison Street, you see bums all over different stories with each of them. They're not people who had misfortunate things happen in their life. They're not people who don't want to work, who would rather live on the street. Grandma would tell me a story about this guy when she worked at Albertans. He was a homeless man. He wanted to be homeless, but yet he would beg for money and beg for food. He didn't want to have a home. He didn't want to have a job. The Bible says a man does not work, he should not eat. I wouldn't give to him. You don't work, you don't eat. Now those with you know, unfortunate situations. Praise the Lord, please help them. But there are people in other countries who, because of persecution, don't have a home and don't have food. If you're bored, type in a web address other than myspace.com and wait for a bulletin. Type in persecutedchurch.org. You'll wake up to reality real quick. Real quick. There are people who are going hungry. Being shot, hung, drowned, burned. Think about it. Think about if you, anybody in here got family, look at, think about if you saw your own mom be burned and they didn't kill you just so you could live with knowing they killed her. They do that just because you claim the name of Jesus. Because you sing, his name is Jesus, sad hearts weep no more. Because you sing that they'll kill you. And you're bored? No dice. No good. Moving on to our study. I got sidetracked. I'm sorry. R.C. Sproul in his commentary on Romans for chapter 6, he says, good works that follow from your conversion will not count for your justification. But if they are not there, it proves that faith is not there either. Salvation, alone, salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. One more time, right? But one must strive in the Spirit of God to be sanctified. There's a famous saying by John Owen, Be killing sin, lest sin be killing you. Sin will do that. The wages of sin is death. It will kill you all day long. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul said, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Please, don't forget, don't go out, don't leave here thinking, Oh, I've got to go get sanctified now. I've got to start doing all these good works. I've got to go do, I've got to go do, I've got to go do, because that's all that matters. It's not my point. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 6, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Any good work you ever do comes from God. You can't do a good work without Him. Every good and perfect gift, James says, comes from the Father of lights. Read 1 Peter chapter 2 for a a rude awakening on what we're called away from and what we're called into. It's a good thing. Philippians 212 12-13, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Remember, it's always God. Once the good work is done and over with and you've done it, turn right back around and give the praise to God because He's the one who ever gave you the heart to do it. God said, right, I will put a heart of flesh in you. You get born again. You're born anew, Right? born of the Spirit. It, says, God is, um, it is God who works in you, both to do and to will for his good pleasure. I want to use a couple more illustrations, and we're going to look at a couple of the passages. Don't worry, it won't take long. This is why I, I think this illustration puts it so plain, and if you haven't got it by now, I pray that you'll get it. If you haven't been listening, or if you zoned out a long time ago, because I'm boring, I hope you'll listen to it now. Listen to this illustration. This is great. I love it. If I would have shown up late here tonight, 7:30, 8 o'clock, I just ran the door. and got, you got to forgive me. I'm late. You go. Why were you late? And I said, man, on the way over here, I got a flat tire. Oh, that's understandable. Yeah, but that's not the end of it. So I got to change the flat tire, and one of the, what are they, lug nuts, whatever they are. If one of those things falls off. And it rolls into the middle of the road, so I go out there to pick it up. And I pick it up, and I didn't look before I went in the road. And sure enough, when I looked as I picked it up, it was an 18-wheeler headed full speed 10 yards away from me, and it nailed me! So therefore, you know, I'm a little late. You guys buying that story? James is. (laughs) James is a little bit off, but okay. Why, why, Why not? Somebody tell me. Why won't you buy that story? Because if you got hit by a car, you would be hurt. Okay. So are you saying I would be changed because something bigger than me had an encounter with me? Something bigger than me ran into me. So you're saying I would be changed? I'm not Superman. I'm a man of steel. Anyway, no. You're saying that would change me? What's bigger, an 18-wheeler or God? God? God. Pretty obvious. So all these people talk about they have this encounter with God. I prayed this prayer. I said these words. I Whatever. However you want to go about it, I don't care. Use whatever you want. I had this encounter with this big God. Do you guys know God commands the rain? Did you guys know that? Did you know God commands the wind and the waves? How powerful are waves? Take down buildings. Undertow, suck you right in, right? So you have this encounter with God, but yet you didn't change. That's kind of funny. You're either a lunatic or you are a liar. What you do proves who you are. Don't misunderstand me. You're going to still sin. Let me give you a word of encouragement too. I've never been able to find. If you found it, praise the Lord. You're better. Bible reader than I am, which many of you probably are, Bible never, ever, ever, as far as I know, gives a set amount of good deeds that you must do to prove you're sanctified, or prove that you're saved. Never says, do this many. Never says, pray this much. Never says, read your Bible this many days in a row. Never says, witness to this many people. Never says, don't commit that sin this many times. Never. It does say, don't do certain things. But if you do it, are you supposed? Oh, great! I did it. I'm done. I must not be a Christian. No, God's smarter than that. Why do I say God's smarter than that? Not you're smarter than that. Because God's the one that said, "Be perfect." It's an expectation. If you're a follower of Christ, you can't help but become more holy. You can't help but grow closer to Christ. It's your nature. It becomes you. Christ will live in you. You won't be able to stop it. It is a force too big for you to stop. It. But it is a lifelong process. If God called you to perfection and he knows that you're not going to be perfect here on earth, when you sin, do you think he wants to push you back? No, he wants to pull you forward. Keep coming. Keep going. Keep fighting. Get that sword back out. Read the word again. I know what you did yesterday, but read it today. Bear some fruit. You'll know them by their fruits. And I know you sinned yesterday, but I want you to produce that nice juicy apple today. Come on. Pick up. Let's go. That's sanctification. What's not sanctification isn't it? Yeah, I did it so what? I'm gonna do it again tonight. Doesn't matter. This is by grace, one Through one, right? So I don't have to do a thing. I don't ever have to live holy at all. I'll make it by the skin of my teeth. I'll I'll slide in under the rug. You know what? If, If God allows that, I don't think he does, according to what his word says. But if he so allows that, praise be to him for his grace. But I would be far from telling someone living in unrepentant, remember what repentance means. When the mind views sin more beautiful in a lifestyle than it views God. When sin is more lovely to you, when you look at sin as more pleasing, and you continue in it as a lifestyle, that's unrepentance. Not when you stop doing it, you're finally repented. Repentance is a lifelong process. Because why? Sins look good to us, don't they? There's a reason people do what they do. There's a reason people have sex outside marriage. Because it feels good, they say. There's a reason people get drunk, do drugs. Because it looks good to them. There's things that look good to us. But we've got to fight every day. Fight, and we've got to fight, and we've got to fight. Because it's a fight of joy, not of sadness. Paul, amongst his persecution amongst all that was going on, said he counts everything in his life as loss compared to knowing Christ. God calls you into everlasting joy. Psalm 1611 says, pleasures are at God's right hand evermore. You want to be most pleasurable in life? You want to be most pleased? Stick with the Lord. Sin will drag you down. Sin will destroy you. God, psalm says, is the lifter of my head. I know those are some big words on sanctification and things, but I want you to turn to Matthew 7. We're almost done. Matthew chapter 7. And I, I think I'm going to go out on a limb. I tried to read a lot of commentators on this verse. Some agree and some don't. I really, really, really think I, I do with my heart, too. Not just my mind. It's not just a, a Bible study game. I really think with my heart that this passage is been misinterpreted by many but interpreted correctly by others, too. Matthew said there's two ways to go about sanctification by wrong. Number one is to say sanctification doesn't matter. You don't have to be sanctified. Number two is to say sanctification is what gets you into heaven. You say either of those, you depend on either of those, Salvation is not in your hands. And I'm going to give you two two sets of passages, one for one and one for the other. Well, we've really talked about one already, but Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Jesus speaking, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day... What day? The day of judgment. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty, mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There's two interpretations. I'll give you the one, but I agree with the latter. The first one is people say, um, this is speaking of they really didn't do those works. They're just trying to get their way in because Jesus said, those who do, those who, um, any who does the will of my Father, um, and he calls them workers of lawlessness. They, were, they did wicked deeds. They didn't really do these deeds. I disagree with that interpretation. I don't think that's how it's supposed to be interpreted. Here's why. He says, Anyone, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, what's the will of God? Can anyone tell me what the will of God is before we look at it? Good, because I wouldn't know known either before studying, probably. John 6, 40 tells us what the will of God is. The will of the Father is that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life and Christ will raise him on the last day. So the will of the Father is grace alone, through faith alone. By grace alone, through faith alone. Now, they were trying to pull the sanctification card. Lord, didn't we do... They even... They, even, they start with prophecy, then they go to demons, casting out demons, then they just flat out say, many mighty works. I have no reason to believe that they don't mean good works. They did lots of good works. And you know what? They're probably... Telling the truth. There's a lot of teachers today who say the name Jesus, right? A lot of religions use the name Jesus. But I'm sorry, that's not what gets you in. Just saying, Lord, Lord, does you no good unless it's true faith. He says, I never knew you depart from me, you work as well a problem. Because they depended on their prophecy, they depended on their casting out of demons, and they depended on their mighty works. They presented, they said, Lord, Lord, here. You said be holy, so I was holy. You said don't do that, so I didn't do that. You said feed the poor, so I fed the poor. Here. Is that good? And Jesus will look at them. Depart from me. I never knew you. Because it's based on relationship. They presented their works as justification. The Bible presents faith as justification. Sanctification as the result, the proof. So they were reversing it. Works get me in, they said. Since I did these things, Jesus, you've got to let me in. No, he doesn't. Turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. This is our closing section right here. Luke chapter 18. We're going to read verses 9 through 14. Luke chapter 18, 9 through 14. I'll wait till everyone turns so we can follow along. This has become one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. (laughs) Jesus said some crazy things, man. If you just read through the Gospels and you really read what Jesus said, can you imagine, what if somebody walked in here right now and said, I'm going to judge all of you on the last day and I'm going to raise some of you from the dead on the last day. What would you think? You'd be like, you're a psycho. Who are you? You're going to see me coming in the clouds. Every eye is going to see me. You would think they're nuts. Reason being, because we have the inspired truth already. We know that it's only going to be Jesus who does that. But that's why people were like, what? What did you just say? But it's true of Christ. That's why the argument is given. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's the greatest man to ever walk this earth. He's God. Okay, He had to be. No one could say those things. Any other explanation, you've got to be crazy. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. That's a key. If you're going to understand this parable, you must understand that. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you exalted. This Pharisee, Pharisees were men of the Scripture. They knew the Bible. Jesus rebuked them many times because of the way they used it, too. He said, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it is those that testify about me. It's not the Scriptures, it's Christ. And they knew what the Scriptures said about being holy. They knew the law. They knew what not to do, and they knew what to do. And, and here's, the, here's the twist. This is crazy. The Pharisee says, and I, I, I didn't pick this up for the longest time, the Pharisee says this, God, I thank you. He's giving credit to God for his good deeds. God, I thank you that I'm not like these other men. He doesn't come to God saying, God, aren't you glad I'm not like them? I'm doing what you said to do. He gives the credit to the Lord. And God says, this man, rather than the other, goes to his house justified. So the Pharisee did not go away justified, even though he gave credit to God for all his good (coughs) deeds. Why? Because they trusted in themselves that they were righteous. He trusted that the good works that he was giving God credit for is what made him righteous. If you mess this up, I will pray for you. It's very bad to mess this up. Don't leave tonight with an attitude of sanctification that that's what makes you saved. You can't be sanctified until you're saved. Do not offer to God any good deed that you've ever done for salvation or you will leave yourself wanting. Faith does not look to self. Faith does not look to good deeds. This is why I say you've got to put your faith in Christ. Because every one of those people you ask on the street that I brought up earlier, that I say, what's your life been like since? And they say, well, same old, same old. Okay, ask them this, because I guarantee you, you will get this answer. Ask them. So so you're saying you're going to go to heaven when you die now, right? They will say yes. Then ask them this. Why? Why you? What's so special about you? Why are you going to heaven? Well, I'm a pretty good person. Bingo. No faith. Deeds. If you rely on good deeds, you're not going Complete faith. Faith looks away from self and looks to Christ. you know what it means to trust Christ? That means you are saying this right here. I just want to put it so literal. When you lay down to die, you are expecting Jesus to grab you and take you into heaven. Regardless of how worthy you may feel, because we're not worthy. Absolute trust. Anything other than that, less than satisfactory. God will not accept good works to get into heaven. He won't do it. He will accept trust in Christ. And that's it. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love to us. We thank you for your grace and mercy on our lives. I thank you for each and every one here tonight, Lord and I. God, I just pray, Lord that, Lord, that is a tough subject, Lord, even for me to talk about God. Lord, it's tough to understand fully. Lord, it's tough not to be prideful when we do do good works. Lord, please keep us humble. But Lord, keep us dependent on you, God. Lord, I just love to see a room full of believers, God, people who trust you for salvation. Lord, they don't trust in themselves. But we're not good enough and we never could be good enough to please you and get into heaven. Jesus, you're the only one who offers peace with God, who takes away wrath. Well, you're the only one who gets us there, who gets us to God. You're the only one who reconciles us, Lord. God, we just want to repeat that prayer, Lord, not as magic words, Lord, but I pray, Lord, that our hearts would cry out just like the other man did, God, that you would be merciful to us. Lord, we plead your mercy on our lives, God. We don't plead our good works to you. We don't offer you anything like that. But we, we want to put our faith in you, Jesus, to save. Because we know that you're faithful, Lord. You are called the faithful high priest, Lord. You stand in the gap for us, Lord. When God is ready to sit on the judgment throne and declare everyone guilty for sinning before Him, you stand in the gap for us and say, not these ones. They're sin-free. They have no sin in their life at all because I took it and paid for it. They're dead to that. They're alive with me to you. Lord, I just pray that that would sink into our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. And one thing I wanted to maybe close it off with, because I don't know how clear I may have been or whatever, I like to do this if you guys don't want to ask anything, that's fine. Or if there's any other topics you want to ask, I don't know if I'll know it. If you guys want to have a short Q&A time, if that's cool with you guys. If not, you know, if you're just like, I'm good, I don't have any questions right now, that's cool. But if you do have any questions, any topic is fine, but uh, if you have any about the message too, that's all good. Does anybody have any questions? Yeah. Um, I think it's says Matthew 7, right? Mm -hmm. The end where he says... uh, workers or lawlessness, or yeah. Um, do you think it's like people that continue in sin because it says workers, it's not like, you know, uh, just, you know what I mean? Like, it's constantly like you're working it, you're, mm-hmm. you're practicing lawlessness. Yeah, and that's actually, that's very observant of you. Um, that's a reason why many people believe it to be, he's speaking of sin, he's saying that they're lying, they didn't really do these things. Um, the Bible says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God." Hebrews 11. Um, it also says that whatever you do, do unto the glory of God. Um, what they were doing were evil deeds because they weren't done in faith. They did their deeds as putting forth as what God wanted, as if that's what pleases God. When a non-believer, let's say a non-believer, uh, builds a hospital. That's a good thing, right? You know, people are going to get medical care. But he didn't do it to the glory of God. So in one sense, he sinned. He did an action that was not to the glory of God. He did an action that was outside faith. The Bible says anything not done in faith is sin. It puts it that plain. So they weren't doing their deeds in faith. They were saying, Lord, I did this and I did this and I did that. They did it so they could get in. They did it for like the self-righteousness. So he said, you workers, many of you, because many will say to me, Lord, Lord, that's lawlessness. That's not in faith. That's, that's utter wickedness even. You know. So I, I don't think that it was necessarily he was talking about a sin in the sense of doing grotesque type things, but I think it was a sin in doing good deeds to get saved. Because that's as much of a sin as, as lying. That, it's not going to get you anywhere with God. Only faith alone is grace Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Any other questions? Anybody? Anybody too scared to ask a question? I kind of want to raise my hand. Okay. Well, if not, then be blessed to be in Jesus. See you later.